All right, we're live. Welcome back to Chop Liver. It's been a minute. It's been like uh, five, six months or so, and uh, a lot has happened, as usual, when we take these hiatuses. But my pleasure to be back on air with uh, the recurring and favorite guest slash coat. I guess you're a co-host. Yeah, let's make it. I'm officially a co-host. Officially a co-host. Marcel, good to have you here. Yeah, excited to uh, be on and talk a little bit of Liverpool. I know it's been a while, but really looking forward to uh, Hell yeah. an eventful time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, a lot's going on, um, both with Liverpool, the end of the season, finishing it out. Made a little bit of a Champions League push late on, yeah. I think. But, you know, it was a little doom and gloom in February, but fell just a little bit short in the end. Yeah, that was uh, I was un- uh, unfortunate, to say the least. But at the end of the day, they only had themselves to blame for that. They had a lot of games uh, versus, you know, it was really the bottom half of teams, the bottom half of the Prem that really kind of caused them. It was away games against bottom half teams that they really struggled in. And, you know, it was annoying. It was unfortunate. It was it was a rough period as a fan, so it was not fun watching those games. Waking up at the, uh, you know, 6, 7 a.m. just to see Liverpool. <laughs> it's like a different kind of pain when you wake up at, like, 6 a.m. on a weekend. You're all excited <laughs> to watch your club. Like, you're literally sacrificing sleep for them, and uh, then they put up a stinker, like, away to Wolves. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm half asleep, like trying to trying to you know be focused on it, whatever, or giving up goals left and right, just ruins the weekend too. I gotta say, it just puts you in a bad mood on Saturday. It's, it's just a terrible <laughs> start. Um, but alas, that is the life of a of a football supporter uh, living in the United States of America, like right. we are. And um, you know, so we finished the season on a pretty poor note. Well, we gave a little bit of a run, but. Ended up not making Champions League football. Uh, that's going to be Newcastle, Arsenal, uh, United, and City. And we, Liverpool FC, will be playing Europa League football next year. Tall uh, in Estonia, here we come, man. Oslo, you know. <laughs> These random Thursday nights. Alkmaar. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, we're gonna be traveling the the uh, Europe in these crazy small towns. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna be fun. They sound like Wi-Fi passwords for God's sake. Literally, I mean, we may be entering the Eurasian steppe for all we know. I mean, who knows? Oh, alas, I mean. You know, we got some reinforcements. Then we'll get to that uh, eventually. I think. First thing I want to talk about um, is this movement that's going on in our sport. Um, a certain Middle Eastern country that controls a lot of oil uh, has been a, an attractive place for a lot of high-profile players to land in the last few months, and that's uh, Saudi Arabia. I, I, when I think about the players who moved there and think about Ronaldo being the first one, I think about that Drake meme where he's like, all this shit, look at this. Like, I built this, we built this. That's like <laughs> right now. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to hear your take. I want to just read off, like, a list of players. Oh, it's crazy. Um, so I'll, I'll just go through it. Uh, Ronaldo, Marcelo Brozovic from Inter, Seiko Fofana um, from Lons, who, by the way, Lons finished – in a Champions League position. Yes, yeah. Uh, Musa Diaby is on here. He actually didn't end up going. Uh, he chose Aston Villa instead. Um, <laughs> Diaby. Good uh, on him. <laughs> I, Birmingham instead of uh, Saudi Arabia. Good for him. <laughs> Alex Telles, uh, Saudi Mane, who is in talks, hasn't confirmed yet. Edward Mendy from Chelsea, our own uh, Roberto Bobby Firmino, no. off, uh, who is pairing up uh, in a front three with Riyad Mahrez on the right and Alan St. Maximov uh, on the left. Kind of dirty, Marcel. It is. That's an exciting front three that I wish, honestly. That is sick. That's yeah. a sweet won't forget uh, front three right there. Um, Jota uh, from Celtic, I believe. 
Karim, ben- Karim Benzema, Real Madrid, Angola wow. Conte, Chelsea, Fabinho. We'll see. I Before we go on, Marcel, do you want to tell the, the listeners why the Fabinho transfer hasn't gone through yet? It, yeah, I mean, I was I, I couldn't believe and I don't know if that's like 100 percent the case or what's the deal. But there was a there was a news article going around that it was because of his dogs, like the bulldogs. And I don't know if Saudi Arabia just has an outright ban on all dogs or it's like certain like dog like breeds. But he has these small, like you know, adorable bulldogs. But it's Saudi Arabia. They're too aggressive. We can't. We can't have them in the country, unfortunately. Right. So apparently, the talks were stolen because of that. I don't. I was reading something else. Maybe it was because of the payments, like the structure of the payments. But if that dog, I don't know where that came from. But it's a little, it's a little hilarious after you look at the size of the dog. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's two yeah. tiny little bulldogs that are potentially cheating Liverpool out of million dollars <laughs> for Fabinho. Yeah. Which is an overpay. Like, right, right. That money, it needs to go yes. to somebody. Yeah. A relegated club who we'll get into eventually. Um, so, potentially Fabinho. Uh, Ruben Neves from Wolves. Sergei Milinkovic-Savage, who I feel like was linked to every single club in the yeah. world. In the right. Last years. And yeah. decided to go to Saudi Arabia. Whatever. Uh, Khalidou Koulibaly. Great stint at Chelsea, dude. Really, yeah. really solid. Went 100%. from one of the best defenders in the world, Napoli, to playing in the Saudi Arabian League. Tough. Uh, Mitro. I love Mitro. Alexander yeah. Mitrovic. I'm sad he's not going to be playing for Fulham anymore. I agree. I think he's a he's almost like a villain-like character in the prime, and they really, really could have you know used them. So I'm I'm with you. That is like a a shocker. To say the yeah. least, it's like one of those low key players who, like, I don't know. I mean, he just he's exciting, yet, you, yes, like, he's a he's a bitch, yeah, like, yeah, he's kind of a bitch to play he's against, a menace. yeah, menace. yeah, it's and and it's characters like those who are like are going. So, I mean, yeah. uh, Malcolm failed wonder kid, yeah, yeah, the Malcolm, the right wing, uh, Brazilian Malcolm yeah. who. Went from Bordeaux to Barcelona and then failed the Barcelona, went to Zenit. Yeah. Um, apparently, Alhalal paid $50 million for his services, so he's going. Um, and then Steven Gerrard, our boy, uh, to all edit. edit fuck? What, what are you? All it, that's um, a I, I don't know how to sit. His uh, his intro videos were pretty funny. Gerard's having a bit of an issue with the with the language that he's getting right. accustomed to. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's going after a failed a failed a stint. Stunt. Yeah, not a great stint at Villa. Right, uh, right. Jordan Henderson is joining him. Uh, former teammate is joining him at, at that club. Um, that's shocking. Yeah, um, it was uh, the news was official today. He said goodbye to, to his Liverpool, um, you know, players, fans, whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it is a shocker because I thought he was going to retire as a, a Liverpool player. But I, I don't know if they do this and saw in I almost said the S word football too. <laughs> but, um, you know how they do like one day contracts, you know, in the yes. NBA, yeah, the final. Like I wonder if Henderson, yeah. he'll probably right. Retiring, yeah, that, taking a place in the coaching staff. Right. I would hope back. I would hope too. Yeah. It's, it's the hammer Milner, maybe as a player. Or coach. both along with or Jared, both. under Jared. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. Honestly. It'd be great. But I don't know how you feel about this one, Marcel. I don't know if you've um, seen some of like the political commentary around it, but Henderson pretty outspokenly yeah, in favor of LGBTQ plus rights and advocating for wearing things like the rainbow armband in the Prem and in the World Cup and whatnot um, and is going to a country where being somebody like that is, uh, you know, I think it's illegal. If, it, if Yeah, it's, it certainly is illegal and it's right? it's punishable by a pretty 
I mean, it, it might, I don't actually know the punishment in Saudi Arabia, but it could be, um, you know, it could be, it's very severe. It could be a death. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, listen, I mean, you know, even if we take a step back and just like analyze the entire situation of just like Saudi Arabia and their impacts on not only soccer, the world's the global sport, but in all sports, it's, it's yeah. a little, it's a little crazy. It's, um, you know, just five years ago, 10 years ago, this is a very, in terms of world sports and their impacts on like the world stage and entertainment, a very isolated country, one that was very, you know, it was, um, they've had a lot of reforms and I think they've just kind of been like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna diversify our, our, our entire entertainment section, sector, you look at what's going on at golf, you look at right. their hosting UFC events, their F1 races. This isn't normally something that happens in Muslim majority countries that are very much, you know, conservative. They're not, you know, a lot of it's, um, I guess what they consider like haram, uh, you know, whatever. So they have a lot of money, obviously, at disposal. They're kind of, they're, they're now implementing themselves in the world stage of essentially every single sport. And obviously soccer being the world's was popular or whatever, um, it kind of took a step in, in that direction. And, you know, originally when this happened, you mentioned, you know, the first big, you know, uh, piece to fall was Ronaldo. It's incredible signing, whatever, they paying a fortune for him, but it doesn't matter. He was going to be the face of the Saudi league. He was going to take them to a whole nother level. And, you know, then it's it becomes, okay, There it's Ronaldo. There's a couple other washed players that are now, you know, I, I don't mean that in a negative connotation when I say wash. It's just the reality, a little older. It's either like, let me get all this money here in Saudi Arabia or maybe play in like a lower level prem team, a, a lower level, you know, maybe in a different country in Europe or the MLS. MLS, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it, it really, the last few months have, has been a step in, in what has been, they are now recruiting players in their prime. Uh, players that are a giving up on Champions League football, something that honestly a couple months ago was unimaginable to think somebody would give up on Champions League football. What they have dreamt of as a kid to move to Saudi Arabia and play, they're getting these top top players in these positions. And you know the government has committed billions of dollars to making this a worldwide, global, you know, some sort of hegemonic league. Like it's, I, it's, you know, kind of crazy. And listen, I mean, at the end of the day, it all resorts to one thing. I mean, it rhymes with honey and starts with an M. Like it comes down to it. I mean, Jordan Henderson, Liverpool's captain, the first Liverpool captain to lift the league title in decades on ends. I mean, it was either stay at Liverpool, you know, you're not going to be playing a lot, which you'll play, but not a ton. Or go on seven hundred grand a week and you know, fuck around for lack of a better word in Saudi Arabia. It's you know it's crazy, but it's the reality of of the world we live in now. And you know it's it's getting a little scary. It's uh, it's certainly getting a little concerning to the point that nobody is safe. I mean, if they offer enough money, it's like you have to seriously consider it because it's generational wealth. I, you know, it's it's sad for the for the. You know, it's sad for the, uh, I guess, European kind of the standard soccer as we know it. But this is something that could, you know, seriously have an impact. And I don't know how they're going to be able to compete with it. Are they going to somehow, you know, it's UEFA, U UEFA Champions League. Okay, UEFA is Europe. Like, they have a separate, you know, they have whatever in Asia. They have different, you know, Champions League and different uh, continents. But I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly concerning a little bit. No, I, I say the least from a fan, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's concerning in that you have a lot of the top top players who are opting for, um, like you said, generational wealth. And I think it's concerning because you can't blame them making yeah. that decision. No, um, you can't at all. It's like it's the same thing with live and you can question the ethical background of why the league was formed and right. the purpose it serves in the Saudi government's, you know, image that they want to project to the world that, but that, that conversation doesn't matter when it comes to a personal player's decision of whether to cash out on this incredible opportunity. Um, it yeah. would make to your point, generational wealth, 
or in the name of you know catering to the fans in the name of playing in the highest competition um staying in the leagues that are going to pay them less and i think the reason probably many fans are concerned is that if they were put in that situation what would you do i mean right. it's difficult if you're you know sadio mane you've won the premier league you've won the champions league you've won mostly everything you went to a club who yeah. doesn't appreciate you but you know you're 32 years old you're still on the top of your talent yes dollar for you you want to cash out on the last few years i mean you certainly could contribute to a team that's going to be competing for it all um but at the same time you've, you've kind of done it all same with kareem benzema same with yeah. Conte, right um i think so for those players who have kind of hit that level and, and decided to make this decision i don't i don't blame them as much along with ronaldo but right Really, what kind of bums me out is a guy like Seiko Fufana, um, who is on this list um, and is probably lesser known, but he's one of the best midfield players in Liga this season, uh, playing for Lons. And they've put together an amazing project over there. Uh, they challenged PSG for the title for the domestic title this year. I think they finished either second or third and they're playing Champions League football next year and he's in his prime. I think he's, if I had to guess, 26, 27, 28 years old. Um, and he's a dynamo. He's someone who I think any top club in, in Europe would want to have. And he decided that he doesn't want to participate in, in that top level competition. And that to me, a player like him, a player like uh, St. Maximon, like Ruben yeah. Neves, um, that is when I start to get concerned. Is yeah, players like that who are in very much in their primes and haven't even hit their prime are opting um, for that kind of a move over a vertical move from a competition standpoint. So um, you know, I it's here's the other question: is like you know what we saw with Live Golf, and I don't know, I'm not an expert in Live Golf, right. but what it seemed to do is they got all these, they paid a ridiculous amount of money. They got all these people and it was a flash in the bucket right? And kind of gone slash not as relevant or merged with the PGA. Again, yeah. If I'm that not right there. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Live golf created this, like you said, a splash, but then the issue was, okay, like it's, it's on a case where people aren't comfortable and, and like these TV providers aren't comfortable showing live golf with these players just because of everything going on with it. So they were struggling to get all these sponsorships or struggling to get TV rights. The, the live tour events, both in the United States and internationally were very poorly um, attended. They were not very, you know, it was it was more of a, a entertainment spectacle. It wasn't people weren't taking it serious. Even the live golfers themselves, it didn't seem like we're taking it. People are high fiving each other. They're making noise during the during the you know while their golf swing music's playing in the background. Yeah, that's, that's not that's yeah. That that's not that's not really how golf has has ever operated. Um, <laughs> not but, to my yeah. knowledge, at least unless right, it's, right. It's my buddies well, on yeah. One more, one, yeah, one more quick thing about the Saudi thing, too, that I think is a little sad is that a lot of these players, it's they're they're essentially just giving up their childhood dreams of just playing in these top Champions League football. They're giving up on, you know, what they've honestly as a kid just growing up dreamt of. And like, you know, I understand why I can't I don't fault them for going. It's just sad to see that they they weren't able to. I guess, fulfill them when they've, you know, in certain cases, like you were mentioning, that you have a great campaign, you qualified for Champions League, is fantastic, you're about to play in the biggest stage in, in world football, and, you know, you sell, you, you, you end up just going to Saudi Arabia. So. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. Um, I think the one thing that we can maybe take some solace in and news from today Yeah came out was um, that Kylian Mbappe is not going to be moving to the Saudi league uh, yeah. despite a $1 billion offer. 
right. So the offer was for him to go and play one singular year right. in Saudi League. I believe the offer to him personally was a billion dollars, or maybe it was three hundred. Maybe it was three hundred million to PSG, yeah. and then seven hundred exactly. Personally, um, and so he would play one year and then move to Real Madrid. Yeah. After, um, I didn't think, despite the ridiculousness of the offer, that he was going to make that move, and here's why. I think that he realizes, and he is a player who on the club level, despite winning the World Cup and having international success, has uh -huh. really yet to hit the ground from a club perspective. Um, they have not won a Champions League, uh, and that for PSG is the goal every single year. Right. And every single year that he has been there, he has failed. I think for him as a player who hasn't hit those heights that some of the other players have who are moving to Saudi Arabia to take that money now um, would be an absolute embarrassment. And he would be essentially taking a year off um, from all, from all club activities, lounging in Saudi Arabia, playing in a, in a, I mean, people say the league owners of farmers league. What does that make the Saudi league? It makes it, I don't know. Um, who someone who doesn't even know how to fucking farm that yeah. that's what it, right <laughs> uh, so i'm really happy he didn't take it i don't know what this means I, I i doubt he stays i think he probably goes to real madrid i'll tell you where he's not going he's not going to tottenham hotspur fact <laughs> um but i do think that this decision today was a really big domino thank fucking god he has a head on his shoulders i don't think it would have reflected well at all it's like it's like if if lebron like the decision in 2009 lebron sits down with espn and he just and he's gonna say where to go instead of miami or instead of cleveland or new york or chicago he's taking his talents to shanghai because they're paying him more money that's the equivalent of mbappe right now going to the saudi Arabia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude. It's um, that's a really good analogy. Honestly, it's it's crazy, but it's it's funny because if he stays a couple more days at PSG until August first, there's like this loyalty thing. So he gets another sixty million pounds, or maybe it was euros. Regardless, um, it's the um, yeah, it's it's gonna get a little hectic with him because. PSG understand that if they don't do anything, he's leaving on a free. He will join Real Madrid the following summer, and they they will not recoup anything. Now, obviously, um, you know he he rejected the Saudi thing. It's kind of out of the window now. It seems like, you know, it almost gets to this like bidding war of like, okay, well, like if somebody bids, you know, forty fifty million pounds, and that's the only offer that you have on the table. You know, I just I I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a good thing for other teams that they could somehow get into like a regular bidding war without you know like a Saudi intervention. What I was hoping for as a Liverpool fan somehow was that Madrid would have to like up you know have a huge transfer sum on them, and they would have to sell some of the midfielders. Maybe they could sell somebody here or there, and, you know, maybe, maybe, this is a little far-fetched, but, like, Liverpool could get in the race for one of their top midfielders, but, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, um, unfortunately. I, I don't know about that, actually. It's, it seems realistic. I mean, right? I like, it, it does. Because, I mean, Madrid just splashed the cash on a few players, one right. of which, you know, I think <laughs> myself, of course, the last time we talked, it was, like, February and it's cold and we're checking Twitter during the day and it's like Bellingham to Liverpool heating up. Yeah. yeah. Off, you know, I think not to say that, you know, this podcast predicted it, but I think we both pretty much thought that. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, we didn't get him. But Real Madrid bid, or, or they paid over $100 million for Bellingham. Um, and I think they paid $20 million for this Arda Guler guy. They're midfield. Is um, I mean, shit. It's a busy uh, it's, position group. It's yeah. got 
you got your old heads, you got your new heads, and you know someone like Orlan Chumeni, who <laughs> Liverpool wanted to get, uh, right. outbid by Madrid. You know, maybe he's looking for uh, greener pastures and a, a club who actually need and require his services right now. Right. Point. I mean, if you're getting Neymar. When he went to PSG, I think it was 280 million, something along those lines. I find it hard to believe PSG will accept anything less for Kylian Mbappe, given the stature that he's in and the stage of his career. No, absolutely. Rid, I mean, money doesn't fucking go on trees. You got to generate it somewhere. Right. Yeah, they're not a, um, they're not like a Middle Eastern owns, <laughs> you know, entity. They they kind of have to, you know, maybe they would have to salt. Like you said, maybe one of the midfielders, I would hope. I mean, I, I don't know. That midfield group in Madrid is, is unreal right now. That's um, the world. Everywhere you look, it's these incredible talent that they're culminating. They're very young. They're very athletic. They're very physically dominating and, and superior. They, they've got a really, really, really solid, incredible yeah. core there. I mean, um, it's Bell- scary. I mean, it's Chumini, Valverde, Bellingham. Camavinga, Modric, Cruz. Yeah. And now you have this Arda Guler guy, this yeah. wonder Turkey and, who seems like he's fitting right in. Right. And they'll probably get a couple other I mean, they'll probably get another top class midfielder once Modric Cruz uh, their time ends in, in Madrid. Yeah, um, you would imagine maybe as soon as next year. But they have their core for the future. Oh, I mean, dude, it's yeah, it's unreal. Fucking Real Madrid. I mean, it would be nice to have that kind of money. We're yeah. That makes, yeah, that presence and that almost, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, their presence alone, like, I, I think everyone in the world knows that Kylian Mbappe is, he's he's a block, like, he's a Real Madrid player. He just, yeah. is, um, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but. It's just the Galacticos. It's like this, you know, it's these, they get these top players in every position. They, you know, and it's, they form the super team almost. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's, it's different than, I don't know how to, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. I think it's different than like other sports, like even basketball, because there isn't that cap there, right? Like it's, you know, they can get, at Madrid's prime, they had, you know, out of the starting 11, they might have had like seven players or something that were the best players in their respective positions. And maybe even more, honestly, maybe seven's like a little too light. Maybe it was like eight or nine of, on, or yeah, that sounds about right, of the best player in that position that they, they owned. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, this word gets like, uh, negatively connotated and i can see why when it's used some way but just like class yeah world class dan ronaldo modric um you know pepe ramos casillas i mean it's just the list goes on (laughs) yeah anyway i don't want to dunce up don't uh (laughs) You know, topping them off now. Maybe we should move on. Um, we can t- want to touch on Messi really quick. He's just going to tear up the MLS. Like, yeah, he already he's... has two goals in his first two games. It's yeah, yeah. It's um, there. It's fun. Like he's having fun in Miami. Obviously, he turned down that massive deal in Saudi Arabia, which I thought was crazy to turn down. I think it was over a billion for maybe a season or two. Um, but yeah, listen, he's happy. His family's happy. They're in Miami. I think the the deal was structured in a way where he gets a percent of revenue from Apple TV. I think he gets a percentage of the revenue that Miami generates from, you know, Jersey sales. And I think if I'm not mistaken, um, there's a path forward where he can buy my inner my like a he can be a not a majority owner, but a minority owner of the team in the future and maybe they gave it to him at, at a discount but yeah. it's um yeah it seems like he's having fun and yeah like you said the mls obviously isn't um the best league in the world so he's gonna have a great time there and like you said tara miami's terrible they're like dead last in the east uh but they'll make the playoffs because like half the league makes the playoffs and once he's in the playoffs it's you know 
it'll it'll be it'll be a spectacle. Though they they've also gotten you know they have Tata Martino as the coach. They have a couple other good players. Um, Busquets, Busquets Al is Hall. having crazy. Yeah, Joseph Martinez from Atlanta United, who's like right. up there now. He scores. Jordi Alba is their left. Yeah, left back. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're so. trying to sign uh, Messi's old pal Luis Sweet. Luisito Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading something that I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, like obviously they're like getting linked to every ex Barca player slash Messi's friend. So seriously. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, I won't be surprised if PK comes out of retirement. Right. Right. Just to have a little bit of fun in Miami. Uh, I can't I say have, I blame him. <laughs> I do have a question for you on, on uh, Messi. Uh, Cause I got asked this the other day and I honestly, I didn't think I had a great answer, but yeah. Um, do you, do you think Messi to the MLS does anything to, I don't know, improve the trajectory of football as a sport in the USA? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good question. I mean, I feel like we're in the U S and the sports culture, we're so fixated on these star athletes that I think one thing it will do. And this is sort of obvious is just get people watching it, get people a little, you know, more excited about soccer in terms of like, you know, substance and actual fans sticking through it. it I guess, you know, it, it'll have to be seen. It's uh, kind of tough to see. We've had, you know, soccer, We've had top players from Europe come to the MLS and, you know, I guess have uh, a bit of an impact. You know, I'm thinking of some of the LA Galaxy signings with, you know, Beckham, Gerard, whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. Listen, I don't think it can hurt, um, obviously. I don't – there's no way it can hurt. So, I think it'll get people excited to talk about it. Twitter's going crazy every time he plays. Like, that's probably good for the MLS, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I think it can't hurt. Right? Like, but when I'm thinking about the trajectory, at least how I perceive uh, soccer, football to be in terms of a growing sport yeah. in the United States, I, I don't I don't know if this moves the needle in a crazy way. I right. think it's, it's a positive. It's going to get people invested in the MLS. But, I mean, to me, the growth of the – of interest in the game is more tied to United States players who are playing abroad, right? How good they get, and then how well they play on an international stage for the United. Yeah, States. That's a good uh, point. You know, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm just saying. I think the the interest is is already there, and we got a little glimpse. And we're getting glimpses of this next generation of really, really talented U.S. men's players. Yeah. Uh, but and I think you know we're gonna get the 2026 or 2024 Copa America here in the United States. We're hosting that. I think that's gonna be more impactful. Seeing it on our home turf and playing teams like Brazil and Uruguay and Argentina, and then it's going to crescendo to a fever pitch. Hopefully. Right. Hopefully, in 26, when we host the the World Cup, and so I think I think Messi doesn't hurt, but to me, it's not like a domino in the path to you to soccer becoming a top four sport. Right, right. It's kind of just you know, it's a pos- net positive, but it's not a major. Right. Yeah, you know, one last thing I added, um, just to add, maybe you know, maybe you can make the argument. Messi's appearance in the MLS and playing a couple seasons grows the revenue so that every team has more money to spend on players. But I'm kind of with you. Like, I think the best case scenario for the MLS is being this, like, it's this farming system for European clubs. It's this breeding ground of top talent from South America, top talent from North and primarily North and South America, where these kids can play when they're young, they're, you know, 20, whatever, 21 years old, and they can, then transfer, you know, hopefully you get to the point that Prem and these top leagues are sending scouts to the U.S. They could see these guys play. And that's kind of how you build out and you become known as this like transfer hub, essentially the stepping stone to European football. Um, but yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you that it's the net positive without, you know, there's limited, there, there's no downside to it. There, there's no way it, it hurts, obviously. But yeah, I don't think it moves the needle. And I'm more with you. Once we start hosting these international tournaments, it 
that has a greater impact to move the needle in my opinion i think people want to be patriotic they want to support the u.s team as opposed to a random like mls club that they've never heard of you know a year ago <laughs> just to be quite honest with you yeah i mean it, it is cool to see like a clubs like charlotte and like st louis get some right. get some uh love and, and I, I do agree with you that a rising tide lifts all boats so we'll see what like the residual impacts of messi joining and yeah the revenue growth to the clubs get but um yeah i think we're on the same page there um maybe moving on to uh the title topic of this show which is uh, our club liverpool fc um and just want to start with you know it's been a tumultuous start to the transfer window by way of departures yeah. lots lots of uh longtime players out the door henderson Oxley Chamberlain, Kaita, Milner, um, big clear out in the midfield, probably Fabinho as well. Um, am I missing anyone from that? From that um, I think you got it. I guess Arthur, the loan. He's played, what, 20 it's, minutes in his entire yeah, Liverpool Yeah, Come that on. was disappointing to say the least. But, yeah, they've, they've had a lot of midfielders exit. It's kind of this uh, – yeah this mass exodus yeah but i think excitingly in the the window got off to a bang um as much as we're gonna uh, bitch and moan about you know where's that third midfield signing um alexis McAllister, world cup winner and yeah. Argentine, the dude looks scoused even though yeah. he's already McAllister, uh, he's got it he's got the last name for it at least i'd <laughs> say from the part of the world, like yeah. we know much, um, but you know, from Boca to um, to Brighton being a fixture in that side for the last few years, um, to a thirty-five million dollar move to Liverpool, um, gotta say it's fucking terrific business. What a player, a fixture in a World Cup winning side um, to get him for that little in this market when we're seeing you know i would say similar similarly rated players being you know valued at 60 70 80 million um it's a it's a win for me uh alexis mcallister coming in as the number 10 by the way right right yeah dude i uh, i 100 agree with you made a lot of really good points there. Um, incredible business by Liverpool. It kind of seems like they always find these random clauses in these contracts. They could somehow manipulate it so that they they pay it out in some sort of like perpetuity where it's you know paid out a certain number of, of years or whatever. But yeah, they did an incredible job. This is somebody who started every game for Argentina in the World Cup. Somebody who is a engine in the midfield that Klopp demands his midfield players. He's young. He's exciting. He's very you know, and I, he's a very humble person, not somebody who's, you know, would ever just go out, you know, cause a ruckus in the locker room. He's kind of self-centered in that in that regard, where he's primarily focused on just improving his game. Um, yeah, he's a very good passer of the ball, too. That's something that I think, you know, we were already seeing some of the uh, some of the transcripts from the post post-match interviews, even in these preseason tours, that it looks like the front uh, three, as all the attacking players, I should say, are really enjoying uh, having him s- providing service to, to them. Um, it's good. It's It was a great signing, and like you said, a really positive start to uh, the summer. And it was something where people were getting a little concerned. We didn't play Champions League football. We're not playing Champions League football. He wanted fo- – you know, obviously everyone wants Champions League football, but, you know, he – he understood this is a long-term project. I'm going to be here for a while. I want to help the team clop somebody who I want to play under um, and apparently rejected United. So that's uh, you always love to see that, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just the cherry on top. Isn't right. It? Someone who hates United as much as we do. Um, but yeah, what a, what a player. I think he's going to be a great addition. I don't know if he's kind of like, in my mind, he's kind of like the Genie Wijnaldum type yeah plays that role um so to have another player like gene i think is really exciting. thousand percent i think he might even be a little better 
going forward than Genie was. But yeah, you're right. He's kind of that engine player. I think he'll yeah. He'll yeah, play but, like an eight. Yeah, I think that's right. But also uh let me know when he scores two goals in uh at home against Barcelona. <laughs> right, it's, right. I am <laughs> going in on three nil on ag. <laughs> Um, all right, and the second player is – all right, and Marcel, I'm going to take credit for this because back in February, this was a name I threw out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it had, I, I Check the tapes. I'm just saying. Check the tapes. I'm going to um, keep your words too, and I'll have to take a look and see. <laughs> take a look. Uh, I can pronounce his name too. It's Dom, Dominic Shabashlai. Very, <laughs> pretty impressive oh. on your end because I would have just – I would have stopped at Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to learn his name. It's gonna be the songs that people come up. It's a with. mouthful. It's a mouthful. He's Hungarian. Um, he started off at least uh, notably at Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg. Right. Uh, made a move to Red Bull uh, Leipzig uh, and thrived there. He was one of the top assisters in the league yeah. uh, in the Bundesliga last year, and I was surprised. I gotta say that Liverpool pulled the trigger and triggered his seventy million euro yeah, clause. These clause, yeah. Uh, but they did it. They got it over the line. I I've known about this guy for a while because um, I'm a FIFA FIFA career mode guy, and this is someone who always pops up as having extremely high potential. Um, crazy technically gifted. He can strike the motherfucker. Oh out yeah. Of him, by the way, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this guy. This guy is a certified hooper. Um, Absolutely, be wearing the number eight. But yeah, what a signing, Marcel. Yeah, it was. I was surprised, like you said, Liverpool released the the they triggered the release clause. It was seventy million for like a twenty-one year old Hungarian. It's it's a lot of money. Uh, but yeah, listen, he's twenty-one. Like you said, he's kind of that. He's he's the perfect player for Klopp and this team. I think because. He's obviously he has the same characteristics as some of the midfielders that we currently have with that ad- extra spice and swagger or whatever you want to call it going forward to the point that he's so technically gifted on the ball. I was just watching, you know, highlights and full matches of him and it was just it was unbelievable. He's got a very good um, idea of his surroundings at all times. He's very gifted. Um, and it's important. I've said this. I've said this a lot. It's Liverpool since Coutinho left has really in the midfield has not had somebody who can, who, who can go at defenders and break them down, make players commit, do whatever. I really think they've struggled, and that's why they struggle when teams just kind of park the bus and they have these. You know, it's one thing to have these sixes like Thiago, Fabinho, whatever, pinging balls left and right to outfield, but I've really wanted somebody who's kind of in the middle operating in the midfield, doing their thing, trying to get people to commit, playing it, taking risk, whatever. This guy, the point being is he can do all of that. And I, you know, and listen, Liverpool don't just pull, they wouldn't have just pulled the trigger on 70 million pounds or euros, whatever it was, if they hadn't been scouting this player for probably years on ends. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's exciting. I think he's going to be a fantastic player for Liverpool for years to come. Um, but, you know, he's young. It could take him a little while to adjust to it. And, you know, given where we are currently with their midfield reconstruction, whatever you want to call it, revamp, it's um right now it seems like he's going to probably be starting game one, week one, these top against Chelsea, by the way. It's at Sanford Bridge. It's going to be it, – it's that's the first game of the season. And, you know, with, with Fabinho's departure as well as – a likely departure, I should say, as well as Henderson, I mean, he, he could really – play from from uh, it could be tough but he could start you know week one yeah as it stands i would imagine he would yeah uh, what i what a ball striking combination by oh, the it's... way of him McAllister, and trent um yeah. i think when you look on paper about you know free kick takers um guys who can make just ping ridiculous passes um, those are three of the top guys on your list, and Liverpool has them. I couldn't agree more with you, Marcel, um, about teams who would park the bus against us. It was just lacking a little bit of creativity. Yeah, I mean, and it, 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 you didn't really have 
you know, like a box presence, like we like some other teams who can go against, you know, a park the bus where you're just hoofing balls to the box and hope for the best. I mean, we don't play that way. So right. relied on midfielders' creativity to find, to, to make turns, to beat players, to uh, control the ball in tight spaces. And apart, really apart from Tiago and in spurts, Curtis Jones, but like, yeah, really, you don't, you didn't really have that guy. McAllister and Soboslai are, are two attacking mind. Well, you know, McAllister being more of an eight, Soboslai being more of, you know, forward player. Um, I, they're attacking minded midfielders who are used to controlling and manipulating the ball in yeah. tight spaces and setting up attackers. And I think, you know, when you look on paper at this Liverpool team, that's, that's really the missing piece because the, the attack is, is sorted. Right. Uh, it, right. It's sorted. You got with Salah, uh, Gakpo, Nunez. Uh, yes. Yes. That those five attackers right there are more than enough, um, in my opinion, in terms of depth and in terms of quality. Um, what you really lacked was that connection um, and the ability to be able to feed balls into them that they can latch on to. Um, and I, I, I hope, I think that we have that now. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Um, I think it's the first time maybe on the clock where it's the midfield emphasis still has that those engine characteristics and those, you know, just drive um, that he, you know, clock essentially demands. But a lot of these players are attack minded. Um, a lot of the players prior were more, okay, control the ball. We're more defensive minded. We need to be strong, structured. So be it. This is really, you know, and, and Klopp's doing, you know, with the signings that we're having, it's, it's more of like, yeah, win the ball, but we're very focused. We're, we're very attack minded and we're like, let's go, let's get this thing going. Let's attack them, press, whatever, um, go at them, you know? So it's exciting. Yeah. Those were two incredible signings, like I said, and for a hundred million dollars for two players like that, one with some of the highest potential um, in the Bundesliga, another one that was a World Cup winner from Brighton, where players of his caliber and pedigree are going for double. If um, I thought those are two really good pieces of business, but you know, obviously we, we've we've lost a lot of players in the midfield. Um, we mentioned how many players previous previously. Yeah. It's um, right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it still to me is a little concerning how many players we lost versus how many players have come in in the midfield. I think it's so important to have so many midfield players. You know, the more the merrier. And I'm not everybody obviously doesn't have to be like a senior level um top end player, this elite player, but they need more bodies in the midfield that have either Premier League experience or experience at another top five league in Italy, in, excuse me, in Europe. Um, I said, I was about to say Italy because I want, I want an Italian player. I want Nico Barella. I think he'd be yeah. a great fit if, uh, if we do end up losing Fabinho, which I think we will, unfortunately. I, I honestly, I, well, unfortunately, I hope we will for that price tag. Personally. Yeah, um, it is quite a bit of money and we are never going to get that sort of um, transfer fee in the future for him. So that is a good point. It's like sell it the you sell know, people to now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good segue because, you know, from what we're reading in the press and from hearing from Fabrizio, Fabrizio, <laughs> um, Liverpool aren't done in the, in the window and um, are, just today, I've submitted, I think, a $50 million bid for, or rather, pound bid potentially for uh, Romeo Lavia, who's a defensive midfielder. I think he's either 18 or 19 years old from relegated Southampton. Um, this is a player who's gotten a lot of interest from a lot of top clubs, um, one of which being Chelsea, but Liverpool pressing hard for him. And supposedly, they've agreed to. Uh, personal terms. So yep. once you agree to personal terms with the player, um, then it's up to uh, the clubs to negotiate and find a suitable um, a suitable bid for in terms of a lump sum to be paid. So that's the issue right now. I I hope and I find it hard pressed for Southampton being 
backs against the wall. Um, if, and this is what happens to relegated clubs: is you know your players want to leave. They don't. If they're better quality, higher quality than the championship, they're not going to want to play there. You're also they're also not going to make that much money, so you are kind of forced to sell them. Right. Uh, and uh, that's what we're seeing with Southampton with a few of their players. One of them being Lavia and Liverpool trying to pounce. So I think this deal would be uh, really good. I think Lavia was one of the best um, young defensive midfielders in the league last season. Um, and I think, you know, he it would definitely be a learning curve for him. I think that's why the fee is probably less so than somebody yeah. like Moises Caicedo, who is already um, – he, I think he had like the second highest tackle rate uh, or ball one rate in the Premier League last season. So he's a guy you'd have to be a top dollar for. I think Lobby is probably second choice um, for Liverpool. But again, for in terms of money for value, I think he's got to be top of the list. Seems like he is at this point. Yeah, absolutely. They um, like you were saying, that second bid now coming in like a much closer to the region of fifteen million. I think Southampton will accept it just because that we've been hearing for you know weeks. That's kind of where they valued the player. I think the new bid was like forty five million. That's you know at some point it's like all right, like this is close enough. Like let's do a deal, whatever. Um, but yeah, he's. I think he would play as the sixth. Uh, I think he would be kind of a lower. He's he's a six engine like player that would be incredible for this team. And really, I think more than anything, he would help the defense. Actually, he would kind of be this sweeper um, kind of stopping walls through. I think a lot of times when we were complaining a ton about the defense last year, specifically, a lot of it came down to the midfield players, not tracking. They weren't pressing to the point and they were just leaving so much space and possession. And this guy is such an engine is everywhere. He's flying around. He had a huge high tackle rate succession and last uh, campaign. So it would certainly be exciting. It'd be a really, really solid addition. And like you said, he's 19. There's going to be a learning curve there, but his experience last season in the premiership is really, really helpful um, for whatever team ends up getting him because it's, you know, he played a lot and he played against the top teams. And a lot of times when you're Southampton and you have so many people behind the ball and you're just kind of getting almost like tossed around, I want to say it's, um, I think it could be a really good learning opportunity for him. So I'm really excited. Like I said, I hope this thing gets done. I think it will because Chelsea's putting pressure on Liverpool now. They're almost like trying to hijack the deal or whatever from what I was reading. So hopefully we can wrap it up within the next couple of days and maybe he can even get on, um, you know, fly him out for the preseason. Cause I know they're, they're leaving for Singapore soon. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it would be huge to get that wrapped up. I think when it comes to Liverpool transfers, I think the last sort of flaw slash area for improvement um, that I would think about would be in the defense. Um, so right now, as it stands, you have, you know, Van Dyke and Konate, um, as your center backs, um, Trent potentially at right back, but, you know, I think we kind of went through a little bit of a formation shift at the end of last year and which pushed Trent sort of into the midfield. And I think he saw a lot of success there getting on the ball in the midfield, so potentially going with three at the back with. You know, potentially Robertson as a left-sided center back, but then you have Matip and Gomez as options. Well, um, I think uh, you know one concern, maybe a few concerns, being uh, Van Dyke getting up there in age uh, and definitely losing a step last season. Yeah, and Matip is—he's fine, he's serviceable, but he's not a fixture in a Premier League winning side, maybe even a championship side at this point in his career. And Gomez being pretty unreliable at many times last year. So my question then after, once you get a midfielder in is, you know, and can you set your, your sights to bring in a new center back? And if so, who does that look like? Because I, I personally have been following 
Liverpool transfer news, and I think most of the attention has been on the midfield, and there's been very, very little attention or links yeah. there um, to center backs. So is there someone in the system who, who we're going to bring up and promote and rely on? Uh, and if, if not, who is in the market right now we could potentially target? Because I do think that's a potential weakness. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think the best – center back partnership right now obviously is Van Dyke and Kanate, uh Trent's and you know whatever Robbo on the back. I think I I really don't think Liverpool are gonna spend anywhere more than like twenty million pounds on a center back slash right back. I think the best case scenario for them would actually be to get like a Joe a Gomez like player in the sense that he he can play the he can he can play as center back and he can also slide in as a backup right back if need be. Um, you know, maybe something in the midfield doesn't work where it's like, okay, like we really need Trent in the midfield. We don't have enough bodies or something. Gomez actually, when he's, you know, maybe this is like a few years too late or whatever, but a few years ago was very good center back could always slide in at that right back position, you know, going forward. Yeah. He didn't provide as much as say the creative Alexander Arnold does, but he did provide, you know, enough. He could cross the ball, whatever he saw defensively. The point being is I think if we could find that hybrid mix between like a, a center back who can also play right back, I think that would be ideal for Klopp's system and somebody young. I don't think they would, I don't think they're going to buy someone who's over the age of 23, to be quite honest with you. I think it'll be a younger player. And like I said, I don't honestly even know because we kind of what you were alluding to, we haven't been linked to anyone. I mean, we were linked to the Wolfsburg player, um, Mickey something, whatever his last name was. He's probably going to Tottenham. And he's, yeah, he, it looks like he's going to Spurs now. So, you know, that, that, I think we just got linked with him because our now sporting director was the ex, uh, you know, like had the German That's affiliation right. links, whatever. Yeah, maybe like, they had a phone call or something. Or right, like right. So, right. you know, but yeah, I think in an ideal world, maybe we could get like one or two more midfielders. At minimum, I, you know, I really, really, really think we need one and we will get one. I'm sure of it. At least one. I think yep. two would be really good for us. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said, like a, kind of a makeshift um, center back, makeshift like right back that predominantly plays center back, I think would be great. I think that would be great. I think there's also, you know, could we rely a little bit on Calvin Ramsey this year? Haven't heard him a whole lot from him. Um, right. But there's been some good stuff from the preseason um, so far. I've heard heard some positives about him. So could he slot in at right back? And could no. he you know. At least provide some sort of depth. I mean, right now it's like right. if Trent goes down, God only knows. I, I guess Gomez. Like, I don't know. You know, maybe I guess Ramsey. Like, like if he's having a good, you know, preseason. Yeah, I know we got hurt. It was a tough start to life on Merseyside for Calvin. But like, you know, me, I, I don't know. Maybe he's able to slide in now and like be okay. Right. But he's young too. You know, he's he's very he's young too. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's Liverpool. We'll be doing a lot more on them throughout the season. And I think we're going to want to uh, do some sort of a Premier League preview uh, before we get into the to the season and do some predictions there, which I think will be fun. Um, we're coming up on an hour here. Maybe just some quick hitters. Let's uh, do it. Highlighting some big transfers around the Premier League. Uh, Declan Rice to Arsenal from West Ham United, $100 million. Hundred million pound man. Do you think he's worth a hundred million pounds? No, I I don't think he's oh, worth a hundred million right? pounds. But it's the it's that English tax. It's two clubs from uh, it's two London clubs. I guess kind of rivals, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's um, that was shocking, and it's I think that really reset the uh, target, the market for some of these other players, especially I'm thinking of Canseco. Yeah, Caicedo. I mean, if it's like you know, if Rice equals a hundred million, <laughs> then what does Caicedo equal? Because right, you look at just look at where the clubs finished. I mean, obviously they're one in eleven players, but they play the same role. Um, they probably have similar talent around them, right? Um, and Brighton's in a Europa League spot, and West Ham 
avoided relegation. Yes, yeah. Maybe they won the conference league, but you know, fucking conference league. Do they get? By the way, do they? I don't even know this. Maybe, maybe you know. Do they get automatic Europa League qualification? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of big. (laughs) It's it's big for them. It's a big. It's it's honestly a money generator as well. Like, yeah, it's it's big. And you know what? They get this influx of cash from Bryce. You know what? Good for them. They. They cashed in on a guy at his probably it's his max hundred oh, percent. Um, yeah. I wonder what they're gonna do because he, I think about Tottenham when they sold Bale um to the Real Madrid, maybe back in 2014 or something like that. What did they do? They spread it over uh a bunch of players and right. they brought seven. And they were all like, you know, 10 to 30 million, 20 million dollar uh, pound range. Um, and I think by and large, you had some people who stuck, you know, like Christian Aronson and Moussa yeah. play and, you know, um, and then you had some players who didn't really fit in like Ben Taleb and uh, Chadley. And I think by and large, if you look at that, you know, that investment after the bail money comes in, I think you're saying it's a disappointment. So yeah. I think with a really good foundation um, with European football on the way and a lot of money in the bank, I think you have a really good opportunity there. And I'm, I'm curious to see what direction um, they go in. Cause I yeah, think absolutely. they make some noise in like that six to eight to nine, range of um of finishes in the prem so we'll see yeah absolutely i think that's kind of their max if they had like a phenomenal season next season i think that's kind of their limit that those and that's even kind of pushing it maybe the higher one you know six is it's it's very tough to get top six obviously um and and especially when you have European football too. To yes, exactly. Uh, you know, we just talked about, you know, you're going to fucking, uh, I don't know, you're going to like Estonia. or Right, right, on Thursday like, and then Sunday. It's on Thursday, know, exactly. It's, so, it's tough. You're 100% it's, right. Um, Quickly, Champions League, uh, actually treble winners, right? City. They won the fucking treble. So annoying. But um looks like they're bringing in Kovacic. Uh, or they, they did bring in Kovacic. Uh, looks like they're potentially bringing in Guardiol, uh, center back for a fat price. Yeah. 90 million from Leipzig. But by, by all accounts, he's worth it. Um, they, but they did lose a few uh, high-profile players. They lost Mares, uh to the Saudis, and they lost Mara, he sounds like a POW. When I <laughs> that. And they lost um, uh, Gundogan, who, you know, was probably top, notably their best player in the right. box, in the midfield to uh, Barcelona. So those those are some big misses. Right. And they could lose Kyle Walker. It looks like he could be on his way right. to Munich. Um, who knows? Maybe they say it's, um, yeah, listen, they, um, this is what City does. This is exactly what City do. Um, they win, 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 and they continue to replenish. Yep. There's no stopping for this team. This is a team that in the past has won, you know, the double and will spend in the next transfer window upwards of 200 million pounds on players. Um, they constantly do this. They're constantly adding the top players, fresh new faces, adding competition, Um and yeah, they're you know going to continue to be a top you know competitor in every single competition that they're in. It's going to be very tough to stop them. I guess maybe now that they've lost a couple players, maybe there's a a light in the tunnel, I suppose, for some of the other top you know six teams. But this is what they do, and this is why they continue to be successful year in and year out. They uh, they don't play around. They, uh, if they want a guy, they'll they'll essentially pay anything for him. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. guess it's oil money for you. Football, football machine. Um, yeah, a well-oiled football machine. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just get get into an hour here. So I think we're wrapping up, Marcel. Anything yeah. else? Um, just looking around the grounds. Uh, that you've been impressed with or, or storylines, maybe one more storyline that you're, you're, you're tracking for the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I think one that'll be interesting to see what ends up happening to Harry Kane, obviously. Um, I think that one's kind of on the top of the mind of like most people, just because is he going to stay? Is he going to go? It's a huge loss for Tottenham, who I think are in serious trouble if they end up losing Kane. I mean, listen, they'll be able to, they're not going to, he is not negotiating a new contract. So it's kind of the Mbappe thing where it's like you either have him for another year or you just try to get rid of him now on a, on a transfer fee. Maybe yeah. he ends up going to Munich and he can compete. And maybe that makes Bayern Munich one of the top two or three contenders for the Champions League because obviously everybody knows Kane's thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of the big one here. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot going on every single day. There's new transfers with the Saudis, with the you know, with all the different clubs and everything, and even in England, there's quite a bit going on. But I mean, that's like definitely the biggest. This is why it's like this time of year. Even though it's kind of dead, I mean, if you are a football fan and you enjoy transfers uh, and all the rumors and everything that you read on Twitter online, like you and I do, it, it's it's pretty compelling. I gotta absolutely. say, like, there's no shortage of rumors um, and you know storylines to follow. So right, I I love it. Um, same it's it's fun to wake up to in a million different rumors it's like oh my god like i was asleep for you know whatever seven hours yeah. like, <laughs> you so, gotta have your fabricio romano uh yeah. twin uh, push twin notifications twin. yeah yeah exactly i guess it's x now but yeah <laughs> uh, all right cool well that's the show marcel Man, such yeah, it was a, pleasure. a pleasure as always. We got we got to get some regular cadence to this because we got to yeah get we do. We got to make it a regular thing. Um, yeah, as well as like ads like guests on to it, and we will like we'll add people different perspective, different teams, whatever. I think we have plenty of people in our <laughs> network that would right. love to get on here and talk some shit. So right, um, yeah, we could be expecting that in the next next few months. Anyway, bro. Always yeah, fun. great seeing you as always. Great seeing you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. All right, man. Take care.